Good morning, church. Pastor Greg here. Welcome to worship at Union Chapel today, the month of June, June the 7th. And we're starting to enjoy the summer months and trust that you are well and that God is keeping you. Uh, we live in a difficult day, don't we? Uh, many troubles and trials, not only as a result of COVID, but now with the racial unrest and the tragic death of George Floyd and the aftermath. And so we are, we are concerned, we are sad, we are challenged, we're troubled. And I hope in other ways that ultimately we will find ourselves united united around the need to love everyone authentically, to recognize the sacredness of every human being in the world, regardless of their status or their style. And I know that you've been praying as well that justice will roll down like the waters. I've uh, left a statement on our webpage. I hope that you will reference that. I have more to say about these things. And... I hope that it'll give you the kind of pastoral perspective that will be helpful to you and increase your level of concern, maybe even cause you to raise your voice and stimulate more prayer. So today we, uh, we continue the series on the fruit of the Spirit. I just can't imagine a more appropriate, relevant topic as we travel through these days together. And today I want to talk about patience and gentleness, and I hope that uh, it'll be an encouragement to you. As advertised at the end of the service today, we are going to receive communion together. And so if you have not prepared your elements, uh, you can maybe do that in the course of the message because we'll be receiving right at the end. And if you have some extra bread around the house and some juice, if you have grape juice, that's perfect. If you have some other juice, that would be okay too. And we will serve communion together and celebrate that sacred, that sacred act. And so you can be preparing for that. Today's reference today is the New Testament book of Galatians once again, where we have listed there by the Apostle Paul these nine fruit of the Spirit. And so this is the word of God for the people of God. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. And God, instruct us, inspire us, encourage us through his word today. Thanks so much. Well, let's talk about the fruit of patience. Uh, let me just uh, mention this qualifier. I was asked recently by one of our staff, of all the fruit of the Spirit, which is the most cultivated in your life? It's a good question, wasn't it? I had to think about it. I finally decided that one of the fruit of the Spirit perhaps was more developed in my life than the others. And then the question came, I was ready, I was braced. <laughs> Which of the fruit of the Spirit is most lacking in your life? And I didn't have to think about that very long because it's the fruit of patience. Now let's talk about patience just for a moment. And again, with that qualifier, I don't know a lot about what I'm talking about, but maybe it'll add some value to someone. 
Here's what we wrongly believe about patience. We wrongly understand this to be sitting and doing nothing. No response, no reaction, no movement, and that means we're patient. That's not a good definition of patience. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Now hang on to that. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Uh, imagine a caravan, if you will, going through a desert. You see the camels and the, 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 the other animals and the people walking through a desert. And they're moving toward an oasis. Can you visualize that? Here's this caravan. Waiting implies a regular, patient progression in life. It is, we're moving through the desert. There is nothing particularly notable in each particular step. But we are moving toward something. We're going to the oasis. We're going to the goal. We're going to this place, this 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 conclusion this destination and we are patiently enduring each step of the way until we arrive uh, and, so, and so i keep walking through the desert patiently enduring that which appears to have no value or nor benefit at all to me patience is then about abiding under those circumstances under the circumstances the routines, the unique challenges, the ordinariness of life, every day taking a step, leaning forward, moving in the right direction. This is patience. Let me, uh, Luke chapter 21, verse 19 has an interesting phrase. Listen to this. It says, in your patience, possess your soul. In your patience, Possess your soul. Interesting phrase, isn't it? Possess your soul. What, what does that mean? What could that imply? But well, possessing your soul, I think, means I, I'm on balance. I have perspective. My mind, my will, my emotions, the real me is centered. It's, it's, it's balanced. It's got perspective on the things that are most valuable and necessary for my life. And so I can possess my soul. Now, how do I do that? In your patience. In your patience, possess your soul. It's interesting, isn't it? So patience here actually means to abide under. That's another translation for it. To abide under the circumstances, the routines of life, the current space and time, all of the circumstances around us, to abide patiently under the hand of God in a trusting, confident way. Let me give you a definition of patience. See how, see how this works. I'll put this on the screen for you. Patience means to dwell richly, fully alive, in abundance, in the moment, regardless of the circumstances. It's rich, it's alive, it's abundant. It's in the moment. It's in this step I'm taking right now under all these circumstances. And this is patience. We tend to live life. Uh, I say we, let me just speak for myself. I tend to live life in a rebellious state against the current moment. Does anyone live that way? I, there, I, I struggle with this. I, can, I make this confession. This is a weakness of mine. 
it's never quite right. There's always some level of discontent. There's always a pressure point that I'm aware of that I'm just not, never quite settled. I, I, I want it now. I, I want things to be right, settled, concluded, resolved right now. We, instead, we want this headlong rush into the satisfactions of our appetites and our desires and our passions. We want it and we want it now. And so patience eludes us so oftentimes, even in the contemporary moment. Well, let's, uh, let's just talk about this uh, by suggesting these ideas. Here's the first point. It's on your outline, and that is patience as it relates to the character of God. God, listen now, listen to your pastor. God is a God of timing. I heard someone say it this way. In the kingdom of God, timing is everything. It's everything. That's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? Uh, He is not a God, the God we serve, who wants everything right now. That's not the way he rolls. Ephesians 1 verse 10 says it this way, to be put into effect when the times have reached their fulfillment. So apparently time passes, the epics cross the stage of human history, and there are milestones along the way. And so time passes, and we mark time by various events and, and, and circumstances. But according to Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, there will be a time when all of these seasons have reached their fulfillment. To bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. So we know in the, in the big picture, the big plan of God that all of these events are going to transpire until time's up. Time is fulfilled. And everything and everyone is brought under the headship of one person, Jesus Christ. That's coming. Now, God has a timetable. And nothing and no one is going to alter it in any way, shape, or form. The timing of God. Now, you, an amen goes there. It, we're, we're reluctant. But an amen goes there. Amen. <laughs> God's timing is perfect. Okay. Egyptian bondage occurred for 400 years. Maybe you remember the story. And the Israelites were enslaved. And they cried out to God for 400 years. Here's my question. What if God had circumvented the process? What after 300 years, he said, I I know that my best plan is for 400 years, but, you know, those poor people, 300 years is enough. And he... And he circumvents it. And Moses isn't on the scene. The wilderness journey doesn't happen. The lessons that the Israelites learned are lost. There are no kings. There are no prophets. The whole Old Testament gets uprooted and the lineage of Jesus is disrupted. Because God couldn't wait. Here's what we know. One of these days, God is going, and God only knows this moment. Only God knows. Jesus doesn't even know. God only knows when he's going to turn to the archangel Gabriel and he's going to say, okay, Gabriel, now. And the final trump is going to sound and the eastern sky is going to split open. God is going to roll the clouds back like a dirty tablecloth and Jesus Christ is going to appear. And the time will be fulfilled. That's going to happen future. In the meantime... 
Patience. Patience, everyone. Patience, everyone. It's the, it's the field surgeon who, absent all of the necessary supplies he needs, has to save a young soldier's life, but there's no anesthetic. And so he performs this delicate life-saving surgery on the field of battle without anesthetic. The soldier pleads for the surgeon to hurry. Please hurry. But the surgeon knows he must not rush. The surgery's too delicate for that. And so, and so we might interpret the surgeon's cautious and slow process as cruelty or insensitivity. But the surgeon knows step by step what is necessary to save the man's life. And God knows what you need and the way you need it. And it won't be altered. Patience is at the center, at the heart of God's character and his timing. A little boy is four years old. He demands a glass of water from his mother. He throws a fit because he, he demands that the water come from his mother. Others in the house try to appease him. They bring him water. Here, little four-year-old boy. The mother is in the other room, and she's hearing this calamity. And finally, she walks in. She takes the cup of water and throws it into the four-year-old's face and says, there, will that do? And the boy learns an important lesson about petulance and impatience. Yeah. So God is with us. He's encouraging us day by day. He sustains us. He provides for us. He protects for us. And he asks us to trust his timing. It's all about patience. So we must not give up. We must keep running. We must keep persisting. We must keep praying. We, we, we must not give in. We must not give over. We must not compromise. We must stay the course. We must stay step by step, enduring the moment, abiding under the circumstances of life until we reach the final goal and the timing of God. This is patience. Uh, my, concern, my concern is that there are too many Christians who have a glass jaw, you know, one little bump, and suddenly we're knocked off course, we're, we're knocked off the way. And I may be talking to someone right now, this pandemic and perhaps the civil unrest that we're experiencing right now in our culture is just too much. And as a result of that, you've been drifting away from your faith and drifting away from a meaningful connection with God. And rather than leaning into your faith, you've leaned away from your faith and all kinds of issues and all kinds of questions and all kinds of doubts and all kinds of compromise is, a, is occurring in your life. And could I just appeal to you to be more patient, to wait on God and to lean into God and trust him. Too often times people actually believe that God under these circumstances has deserted them. Maybe you feel that way. I just feel like, well, God just doesn't care. God didn't care about me. God doesn't care about my circumstances. God doesn't care about my well-being. God doesn't care about my race. God doesn't care about my, my culture. God doesn't care about me or us. God doesn't care anymore. He's deserted us. And as a result of impatience, 
And in their petulant spirit, they give up. Not a good idea. We need the fruit of patience to abide day by day, step by step, no matter the circumstances, because this is based in the character of God, who is a God who does all things well in its time. I'm encouraging myself. I don't, <laughs> I'm helping myself right now. So thanks for eavesdropping in on this. Here's it. Now, here's the second point I want to make. It's on your outline. And that is, as I've mentioned each of the weeks now in the series, there's a counterfeit to the genuine fruit of the spirit. There's a counterfeit to patience. And it is this. It is fatalism. It's indolence. It's laziness. It's resignation to events and circumstances. We conclude, uh, well, this all must be the will of God. And I'm, I'm not going to do anything anymore. I'm not going to pray anymore. I'm not going to work. I'm not going to try. I'm not going to seek. I'm not going to try to deal with the complexities that are all around me, the uncertainties, the obfuscation, the, the uncertain future, the current un civil unrest. It's too complex. It's too scary. It's too heavy. It's too sad. It is too much. And so I'm just going to stop trying. But waiting on God is putting one foot in front of the other, dealing with the issues of life, fully expecting that oasis to finally appear. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. There it is. So faith so tried by tribulation, which we're all going through to one degree or another right now, will purify us if we allow it, purify us like gold. It will have its effect. It will build endurance in us. It will build character in us. And this is a truth that is largely wasted on people who choose to give up and embrace the counterfeit of patience, which is, I just don't care anymore. Well, there's a direct line between patience and gentleness. Let's add gentleness now to this conversation because there's a direct line between impatience and wrath, impatience and anger. Now, let me ask you this. How do I know that there's a direct connection between impatience and being angry? Again, a wild guess. I just, I imagine this true. If I am patient, if I'm impatient, I will be angry. I will be critical. I will be jealous. I'll be greedy. I'll be argumentative. Therefore, if I am patient with others, I'll be gentle with others. If I am impatient, then I will be judgmental and harsh and brutal. How do I know if I'm impatient? I'll fly off the handle. I'm unsympathetic. I'm unsympathetic to the pain of others, the weakness of others. I'll be rebellious toward authority. Uh, it's, the, it's the child kind of moving into adolescence, and they're, they're at the side of the road, and the mother reaches down and says to her, young son, take my hand. We're going across the road. And he says, I'm, I'm big now. I need to hold anyone's hand. I don't need your help. I can watch for traffic. I think I know what I'm doing. I, I want all the rights and responsibilities of an adult. And so he pulls his hand away from his mother. <laughs> this, this emotion that the mother or the parent feels in a moment like this, which all parents experience, we all do, is what God must feel 
when we yank our hand away from him. I don't need your help right now. I think I know what I'm doing. I don't need you to lead me across something so easy. I got this. A lack of gratitude to God surfaces. I'm unthankful, un- ungrateful, thankless. I, I don't appreciate all the blessings of God in my life. Um, I scheme or manipulate to, to get my way. I try to twist the situation around uh, to make it work out better for me. Um, let me put this statement on the screen. I, this is just a strong, a strong point. A patient person can hear the word no and comprehend it. A patient person can hear the word no and comprehend it. Let me ask you this question. How complicated is the word no? Is it hard to understand? Is it complex? (laughs) Is it beyond our grasp? Listen, no isn't bad. It's usually healthy and wholesome. A patient person can abide under the word no. That's true, but I feel pain, (laughs) personal pain when I actually say that out loud. It's so hard. This is critically important to the development of our character. We cannot comprehend and submit to the imposition of authority in the dailiness of our lives. If we can't do that, if we can't recognize the order that God has given us and the and the parameters around which he wants us to live our lives, and we can't submit to that authority in our lives, how can we submit to God when he says no? Because he says no to us all the time. So we, we, we begin to apply patience or the lack thereof. There is a powerful story in the Old Testament. Many of you may recall this. Uh, the father of the faith, Abraham. God called Abraham and his wife Sarah And he promised them a great promise. I'm going to make you the parents of a great nation. I'm going to give you a son, and and he will be the beginning of a great people. And great in numbers. And Abraham and Sarah said, well, thank God. We don't have any children, so God's promised us a son. And as you recall the story, Abraham and Sarah began to get a little up there in age. And they became impatient with the timing of God. And so they took matters into their own hands. Hagar was a handmaid to Sarah, and Abraham went into the tent of Hagar because he wasn't being successful in conceiving a son with his own wife. He decided he would conceive a son with the handmaid, Hagar. Now, here's my question. Did God see Abraham go into Hagar's tent? Answer is yes. Did God stop Abraham from going into Sarah's tent, uh, Hagar's tent? The answer is no. Didn't stop him at all. But here's what you have to remember. Once the son Ishmael is born to Hagar, you have to raise that boy. And you have to deal with the consequences of the life of that boy. And all of the complexities that come with that decision. And so what happens to us is we become impatient and we won't wait and we, and we won't tolerate the journey in a trusting way. So we have in our cu- culture now, a financial crisis 
obviously based on the shutdown of the economy for this period of time. But before that, we had a crisis of perceived prosperity based on debt that person after person was incurring, and indeed our entire nation, incurring this enormous debt. And it's, it's actually this debt, the means of our own destruction financially. It's the seeds of destruction, and it's eating the heart out of our nation. There is the temptation to embrace temporary success. Well, if I, if I take that job, you know, I'm going to get a nice raise. And so I know I've got to pull my family out of the community and out, out of their schools and, and out of the church and, and out of all these social circles that have been so meaningful to us. But, I'm, you know, I'm getting a $6,000 a year raise. So I, I can't turn this down. You know, I'm going to uproot everybody and everything that has value and stability for our family, and I'm going to go because of that. We pass on traits of manipulation and impatience that follow us. Our children learn the lessons. There's a great lesson in the Old Testament. Rebecca was a woman who finally conceived and gave birth to twins. You remember their names? Esau and Jacob. And Jacob, the younger, would rule. God told the mother, Rebecca, your younger son, Jacob, will rule over the older, the firstborn, Esau. But she wouldn't wait. And so she got her younger son to disguise himself to deceive his father, to get the blessing from his father. And Jacob spent much of his life controlling and manipulating and adjusting the circumstances to his favor because he couldn't quite. He finally ends up in this huge wrestling match with God, which leaves him crippled and he limps for the rest of his life. Where did he learn all this? From his mother's knee. How to be impatient, control and manipulate the circumstances. So these are the consequences of impatience. So let's uh, just spend a few moments now just talking about the fruit of patience and gentleness. This is the third point on your outline. Uh, Here's one great fruit. Fewer mistakes will be made if you're patient. That person will not succumb to some get-rich-quick scheme. They won't give in to those kinds of interesting and seductive kinds of opportunities. Uh, I've learned in my life not to rush into decisions. I've told this story many times, and I won't elaborate today, but when I was six years old, I ran into a darkened room, my bedroom, and with the lights off, I dove toward what was typically my bed, and my mother had rearranged the furniture, and I dove face first into a nightstand and knocked out my front four teeth. I'm just simply making the point that I've learned not to rush (laughs) into decisions without checking it out first. I'll be more forgiving. This is a fruit of patience. Therefore, I'll be more forgiven. Let me put this statement on the screen. I want you to think about this. Impatience with one another's sin is a betrayal of the reality that we are not confident of our own grace. In other words, if I am If I am impatient toward the sins of others and I'm judgmental and critical and harsh toward other people and their failures and their weaknesses, it's usually an indication that I am insecure about my own forgiveness and the grace of God present in my own life. Stop and think about that. 
evaluate that, come to terms with that. Sometimes uh, a fruit of the patient, uh, of patience is to be constantly renewed. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And people who seem to have strength and vitality and vivaciousness in their spiritual life and in their sense of purpose and, and destiny in life, these are folks who have learned to be patient. Uh, I'll also have a calming effect on others. Others in desperate situations. Others who are making very difficult life choices. Let me say something to dads right now. Dads and fathers, listen, your wives, our wives and children must never be afraid of making an important decision around you, a wholesome decision because of their fear of some unreasonable emotional response from you. So you have to help your family sort these decisions in a reasonable, calm, patient way. And this will teach them how to make choices, how to make decisions. One of, the, one of the great earmarks of emerging cultures today is the lack of capacity for major decision-making. Young people and younger and younger people find it very difficult for all kinds of reasons to actually make solid, long-lasting choices. And it's because they haven't had opportunities in the context of patient, nurturing, mentoring in their lives to have the confidence and the hope to do it well. Relationships are less demanding as a fruit of patience, less one-sided, less tension-filled, uh, more liberated, more wholesome, more loving. Patience ultimately gives God the liberty to work in your life. You're submitted to his timing. You're submitted to his will. You're submitted to his ways. He can shape your life. You're a patient person. Well, let's, uh, let's bring this uh, message in now for a landing. Last point, number four, how do you increase your patience? Here's the first thing I want to say. First, remember the goodness of God in difficult circumstances. Remember the goodness of God. Now, we have difficult circumstances right now. We all understand that. Remember the goodness of God. It's the, here's the phrase, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. That's actually true. That's true. That's not just a catchy saying. That's not just a, you know, a nursery rhyme. That's not just a Sunday school quip. That's the truth. God is good. He's good all the time. I'm not sure all that's... God is good all the time, and all the time, he is good. So remember the goodness of God. Here's the second thing. Claim the perfect timing of God. Claim it. Own it. <laughs> Embrace it. This is very hard. Claim the perfect timing of God. That sounds like preacher talk, doesn't it? That's okay, yeah, point number two. B on the outline. Claim the perfect timing of God. Listen, that's tough. That's easy to say. That is really, really hard to do. But hang on to it. Trust in the timing of God because in the kingdom of God, timing is everything. Have I mentioned that? So be patient. Be patient. Here's a third thing. See, accept the imperfections of others and the imperfections of the world. Accept it. Is the world perfect? Does it have flaws? Does it have disease? Does it have rampant viruses causing pandemic? Does it have injustice, unfairness? Yeah. 
Because in a fallen world, bad stuff happens. Bad stuff happens. Evil things occur. We should resist evil with all of the power within us and with God's help. At some point, though, if you're going to be a patient person, you have to accept the imperfections of your own life and the imperfections of the world around us. Uh, Finally, D, affirm that God is working on my imperfections. God is at work in me. God is at work in me. So I'm an old guy. I've been pastoring for a long time. I've already confessed to you I'm not very patient. The fruit of patient eludes me oftentimes in my life. But I know God is working on me. I know he is. I'm actually more patient than I used to be. (laughs) But I'm not nearly as patient as I'm going to be because God's going to keep working. And so embrace that and realize that. This last story, in Saudi Arabia, historically, the sheiks there, the, the highest levels of leadership in that part of the world, have special traditions. And one of those traditions is to have special Arabian stallions that are trained and nurtured to serve the sheik and, and to provide all kinds of, of spectacle and display and procession and honor. And so these horses are specifically trained to submit to the voice of the sheik. One of the last steps in this training is they demand to know the ultimate character of a particular stallion. And what they do is they drive the stallion to desperate thirst. The horse nearly out of its mind with thirst. And then they place a child on the horse. And they set a bucket of water just outside the gate. And then they open the gate. And as they open the gate, the sheik is calling to the horse. Come over to me. And if the horse gently and with submission comes over to the voice of the sheik, then the sheik knows this horse is ready. If on the other hand, the horse bolts, throws off the child, and moves to the water, becomes disqualified from the highest levels of service. Too often in our culture, a petty, self-centered, rebellious culture, rebellious person disqualifies themselves. While God wants us to be filled with his character and his nature and his fruit, fruit of patience. But because of our willingness to submit to God, listen to me, even when obeying makes no sense and costs us a lot, God will make us fit for his use at the highest level of service. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Amen? Let's pause and pray. Lord, I pray today that you would make us more patient. Lord, hear our prayer. 
as a fruit of your spirit. Holy Spirit, we, we ask that you would touch our lives anew and afresh in ways that activate this fruit of patience. God, make us patient in our decisions, in our relationships, in our service. Make us fit, oh God, to serve you well through the fruit of this wonderful gift of patience. Now, while we're praying, friends, I've been talking about patience today and illustrating various ways in which patience is seen or unseen. And maybe you realize I'm far from God. I, I'm impatient. I, I, I admit I've, I've wandered. I've wandered away. I've, I've lost my way. And I, I, need, I need to come home. I need to come back. I need to return to a meaningful relationship with God. Could I just give you encouragement today? God is a patient God. And he's been patient with you. And he's been waiting for you to say, I need to come home. And let me pray with you right now. And as you pray this prayer, God will hear it. And he'll receive you lovingly back into his care, back into his fold, back into his family. So just pray this prayer out loud after me. Gracious God, thank you that you are patient. You are merciful. And you, you are willing to love me again, love me well. And so Lord Jesus Christ, I repent of my sins. I turn my back on my failures and my faults, all the things I've done wrong, and I receive your forgiveness. I receive your grace that restores my relationship with you. So I turn from the past and I step toward the future in a meaningful relationship with you. I give you my life. You have it now. I want to serve you and know you. Thank you for your wonderful patience. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, friends, as we talked before, we come to this sacred moment, this sacrament of Holy Communion, and we remember the night that Jesus was betrayed. He was with his disciples and he took bread and he raised it and he blessed it. And as he broke it, he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And as often as you gather together in my name, remember what I've done for you. And we acknowledge the broken body of Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. And likewise, the same night he took the cup and with his friends, he raised it he blessed it, and he said, Brethren, this represents the blood of a new covenant, a covenant in my blood, shed on behalf of every person who would ever live so that their sins might be forgiven and everlasting life and hope made possible. As often as you gather together, he said, and partake of this cup, remember what I've done for you and receive with thanksgiving. And so today, friends, we receive. We receive with thankful hearts. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. 
amen. Now, if you're there at home, if you'll just take the loaf and tear a piece from the loaf, if you're kind of leading there at home right now, you, you should partake first, take a piece from the loaf and dip it in the cup and partake. Now you should feel free to pass the loaf to the next person next, if, if they're there or to move to that person with the loaf and serve them and just tear a piece from the loaf, dip it in the cup and partake and receive in Jesus' name. And you can receive now as we receive our closing song. So be encouraged as you're blessed and receiving the body and blood of Jesus in his name. Amen.